Welcome out in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by NASCAR driver Tyler Reddick, as well as NASCAR on Fox host and play-by-play announcer Adam Alexander is back on the Jones Report once again. And we are live from Daytona today, as uh, I've been down here a couple days now. And it has been an incredible experience. Tom is uh, off this week. We're letting him uh, enjoy watching the 500 from home. And uh, in his spot to make sure this uh, this ship doesn't go too crazy is, uh, is a guy that picked me up from the airport. And I just happened to be staying with his mom. It is uh, Brian Nolan who is uh, here with us today. Brian, welcome back. How you doing, buddy? First off, I'm, you're staying with me and my mother. That sounds like you're just staying with my mother, which is a little, it's very concerning. It's very concerning. But, Jones, it's great to be back. It's a, uh, it's a little overcast day here in Daytona Beach, but there's nothing better than being at the Great American Race and the Great American Speedway, and I just love it. It's so, it's just, it's incredible. Are you having fun? Oh, massive amounts of fun. Definitely have a little bit of a chub. Okay. Uh, on that note, uh, how about that? Uh, interesting. Uh, your your feelings uh, down there. But anyways, <laughs> with that being said, uh, it has been an incredible week. This is uh, my second Daytona 500. Yours too. And uh, last year was incredible. Uh, we had a good race and weather was fantastic. Just everything went so well. And now in uh, year number two of this whole ordeal um we are even bigger than before Uh, the uh, president is uh, set to show up for the race on sunday that's going to be a big deal and already uh taking extra precautions when it comes to security and such there and uh what goes on with that so that's a, a big deal and and uh the racing action itself has been certainly exciting you know it started with the clash on sunday of last week and then last night with the dual races so far what we've seen bry is that the racing here at daytona i would say has looks like it's already ready for the daytona 500 in this sense that it it seems like that we've seen these guys be aggressive they're racing three wide uh, at times when it would normally just not make sense to do so, but these guys, I guess, are feeling a lot of confidence in their race cars. You know, Jones, I was watching the duel or the clash with the girlfriend on Sunday. Well, I was watching; she was playing the video games. Um, so, and I was, I was thinking to myself, "Holy crap, this is incredible!" Jones, all 18 out of the 18 drivers received some kind of damage. There was six cars running at the end of the race. So, if you didn't even, if you were a lap down, you still finished in the top 10. That's how chaotic it was. But I don't know. Maybe I'll get. Uh, maybe you have a different opinion or a reason why. Why is it that this year is so much aggressive, more aggressive, I should say, than last year? Like the clash, it was sure there was aggressiveness because there was there was rain in the forecast. But like the duels, it was all decent and it was calm and everything. And this both duels last night chaos incredibleness aggressiveness uh why the sudden aggressiveness so early on in the weekend that's a great question and uh i'm very intrigued to uh 
talk to some drivers and hear their reasoning why, because I think we're still trying to figure that out. But whatever the reasoning is, I'll take it, and I would assume that's a good sign for Sunday that uh, we are going to see a heck of a race uh, when it's all said and done. And we saw, I believe it was last year, maybe the year before, the big push from the manufacturers to the teams, the memos that were sent out that, hey, we write you bigger paychecks than anyone else. You need to work together as manufacturers on these plate races. And so far throughout the weekend, that has remained true. The teams are listening to their team orders um, as you know, the Fords are running with the Fords. The Chevys are running with the Chevys. The Toyotas are running with the Toyotas. And if you look back at that first duel, that was probably the difference of why Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was not in victory lane and Joey Logano was because he didn't have a Chevy to partner with. Uh, he was the only Chevy up there, and there was a lot of Fords for Joey to push him up there. And in the second duel, um, you know, same thing with William Byron. He had some Chevy help with Jimmy Johnson, some several others behind him. It seems like the battle of the manufacturers is another big deal again. I, Joey said it flat out in the press conference. He says we won because of numbers. I mean, he had the Fords up there, and he they literally just pushed him to victory. Now, is it going to be different on Sunday? Of course. I mean, it's the Daytona freaking 500. I mean, everybody's not going to be uh, willing to settle for second through six. I mean, let's, let's be real here. I mean, if they are, then I don't want them driving... Uh, if I was an owner, I wouldn't want them driving my car if they were content with finishing second there. I mean, that's just stupid. But, I mean, yeah, it's all numbers. And William Byron, um, everybody's wanting to make a move in duel number two and with three to go. Byron did it, and he, he brought upon Jimmy Johnson. Kurt Busch tried to block, and him and Harvick almost got into it. And, I mean, it could have been a big one with a lap to go, but Harvick was a fantastic save. And uh, Byron just says, and um, it was my boss from Front Stretch, Tom Bull, says that with so much emphasis on the Chevrolets versus the Fords, is it going to be more like that? And he adamantly said no. It was just a, it was just a reasoning of circumstances that it happened like that. So I don't think it will be much like that on Sunday. However, it was definitely evident that we could see something like that throughout the race. I don't know if it will happen at the end of the race, but something throughout the race we could definitely see it. Well, if you recall, last year's 500 was a 1-2-3 finish for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, obviously, the Gibbs cars were dominant all season long, but there was something about those Gibbs and those Toyotas working together that made the difference for them uh, finish up so strong in last year's Daytona 500. Seems like this race um, is all about Jimmy Johnson. Kind of in the same sense that you go back to the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, it was all about Andy Reid. Getting Andy that Super Bowl, the attention was on how Andy was the longest uh, coach in NFL history, most wins uh, without a Super Bowl title, and everybody was about getting it for Andy. And the week before that, in the AFC Championship, it was about bringing the Laura Hunt Trophy back home to the Hunt family and such. Now here in this Daytona 500, I know Jimmy's already won this twice before. He's already got seven titles. He's the greatest to ever do it, in, in my personal opinion. Um, with all that being said, though, it's been what? How long since he's won now? Two and a half, three years, something like that? It'll be two years in, uh, when they go back to Dover in May, so it'll be two years. It's been a long time coming for Jimmy Johnson. And I, I feel like that with this being his last go-round with retiring full-time from cup racing at the end of this season, and you know all that comes with that, and this being his last 500, 
all eyes on Sunday are going to be on that uh, that 48 machine. I think there's going to be two drivers, and besides the 48, the, also the 18, is Kyle Busch has won everything but the Daytona 500, so can he win it? But like you were saying with Jimmy Johnson, it's the final full season for the, for the seven-time champ, and it's just like... When is he going to get that monkey off of his back? When is he going to finally break that long losing streak or winless streak, I should say, of not winning for almost two full years now? He was he won the Clash last year in that rain-shortened uh, race, and he was not afraid to throw any uh, blocks or anything. He, he did cause the big one, throwing a block on uh, we save and get hard for Menard, Paul Menard right there. Um, but I would not be surprised to see him contending for the for a top five, even for a win. He was second in the duel. He was still up there. Um, and he would definitely be a factor. His car has shown speed. His car has shown uh, mobility. And it, it looks like it's, it's handling very, very well. Sure, it was in nighttime conditions. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. But I expect the seven-time champ to be up in contention, barring any big wrecks. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, this is such a crapshoot, this race. You could have the best car, the best team, and you're just one turn from losing it all in the uh, Daytona 500 with how you know risky this race is. But with, with Jimmy Johnson and, and this final season for the 48, I'm looking at this for Jimmy Johnson as... You know, everybody's talking about the idea, can he finish on top and all this. I think a successful season for Jimmy Johnson is make the playoff, go get a couple wins, and, you know, feel good, you know, about where you went out in that way. I mean, even he lifted uh, those title expectations off his shoulders. He says it's not not anymore about chasing eight. It's about that one you know final ride you know that last ride that he's on this year and for jimmy johnson obviously he would love to win the championship or win the 500 but realistically if he just goes out with a win or two and you know makes the playoffs um that would be a great way to end his career you look at jeff garden uh you know gordon was kind of in a similar circumstance towards the end of his career he wasn't winning a whole lot of races regularly but he did grab that win at martinsville and he did reach the final four in his final season um you know that type of thing there if we're talking about jimmy even in the final four i think that would exceed expectations Oh, yeah. I think for me personally, what I want to see, I just want to see him break that winless streak. I mean, like we were talking about, it's almost two years. That's almost 70 races, Jones. That's a long beep in time for a guy to be uh, one of the most successful drivers of all time to have that long of a winless streak. I just want to see him break that, whether it's here, whether it's in Vegas, whether it's in Dover, wherever. Just to break that streak would be nice for all of his fans that have stuck by him. I agree with you. Couple wins, make the playoffs. If he gets into the final four, that'd be fantastic. I don't think it will it will happen. I hope I'm wrong because he's a great ambassador for the sport, and it'll, it'll be it'll be nice to see him uh, get his swan song and uh, get all the farewell and thank you that he so definitely deserves. Well, and some of you at home may be asking yourselves, you know, how does a seven-time champion, and it wasn't that long ago that he was winning those championships and all those races every single year. How does he get in this position? And, you know, realistically, you know, how this all unfolded, Jimmy Johnson didn't just forget how to drive overnight. Um, It reminds me very similar to Tiger Woods 
And, you know, Tiger went through that slump for a bit and, of course, came back and won the Masters this past year where, you know, did, did Tiger forget how to play golf? No, but there were unforeseen circumstances. You saw Hendrick and the Chevrolet camp really struggle with that Camaro. Um, Chad and Jimmy were having problems working together there towards the end. He changed crew chiefs halfway through last year. Just a lot of things that were really out of his control. Uh, now, I'm sure Jimmy's you know, made some mistakes himself too, but for the most part of why he's not what he was doing you know, earlier in his career um, is a lot of stuff that is, it's just been out of his control in unforeseen circumstances. But in, in actuality, in that run uh, of all those wins and all those championships, they had a lot of things go their way. I mean, it's just the law of averages. This was bound to happen of some sorts eventually. I tell my girlfriend this. Every relationship has ebbs and flows, and that and that's even not even a, a romantic relationship. It could be a, a a work relationship, like with Chad and Jimmy. Sometimes they ebb, and sometimes they flow. And right now, it's just they're they're not really ebbing right now. It's just it was it was a rough couple of things. And Mr. Hendricks was like, "I got to pull the plug." And he sent he sent William Byron with Chad Knaus and Kevin Mendring with Jimmy Johnson. And the Mendring thing didn't work out. And and for Jimmy, it's just trying to get on that same page with his new crew chief and uh, will it happen right now it looks like i mean i we've only seen a couple races this season but it looks like it's a new and improved jimmy johnson he had uh his his farewell press conference uh before the season gave everybody tequila bottles we all know marty smith of espn was a, a fan of that so i don't know i think it like like everything it's just it comes chemistry wise and that just comes with the t- with time and everything and I don't know. Um, we saw Chad Knaus in, in victory uh, in the media center yesterday after his driver won duel number two. So uh, it just takes time, and I think they're going to finally get on the right page. I just didn't think the mentoring uh, crew chief aspect just did not work out with Jimmy whatsoever. Yeah, and that Camaro problem was uh, a problem with Hendrick, Ganassi, all the Chevys, RCR, you name it. Um you know that was a bigger issue than them. That was more. That was more on Chevy's fault. So um, that 48, I expect to bounce back this year and and have a great season. Speaking of you know Jimmy Johnson, you know this this great career that he's had. How are you going to remember Jimmy Johnson? I, I think of just pure dominance. Think uh, th- this is what comes in mind. The you know, playoff era was just beginning when Jimmy Johnson started his championship run. And the format changed, gosh, how many times? Too many. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of the changes were, I felt, to get in the way of the 48, to try to end their domination. But yet they still found ways to win. Even in this current format of this, you know, playoff elimination style with the championship four and all that, he's won that too. Whatever it's taken to win the championship and all the changes that they've made over the years, he he's been there winning these titles. And early on in his career, when you had the Winston Cup system, um, he was winning a lot of races and, and he was contending uh, very early on in his career. So that, to me, is when I look at Jimmy Johnson and and that 48 team in his career, that's what comes to mind to me is the domination and the way that they adapted 
all the time. There was nothing that could get in his way because he was the best driver of all time. He had the best crew chief of all time, and it was a match made in him. Reminds me of LeBron James when LeBron was on the Miami Heat. Domination, passion, never willing to not give 100%. In every challenge, every obstacle, they overcome that and overcome it with authority. And he was so dominant. And that's why many people did not like him for the longest time. That's why many people didn't like LeBron for the longest time, besides of the incident on ESPN. Um, because he just they he won so much. They don't like uh, people that win so much. That's why they didn't like. That's why people didn't like the Warriors because they. Well, Jones has a different story on that. We'll get. We Almost all know everybody that. has a different story on that. But go ahead. Anyway, the domination that we we saw from Chad and Jimmy for the longest time was it was so evident, and it, it just feels like now it's it's so different just because he hasn't won in so long, and that more people are getting back on the Jimmy train that they want to see him win just because it is it is his final season. So I'll remember him by the domination in that stretch of championships that he consecutively won, and just the passion that we we have seen from him, and just overall the domination. Yeah, um, that's a great point. Uh, that's the story of Jimmy's career and what he'll be defined by uh, when he's a first ballot Hall of Famer to the NASCAR Hall of Fame here uh, pretty soon. But a, a great career for Jimmy Johnson. And and I, I think you bring up another good point in, you know, yes, people were so sick of him winning and, you know, got old. I think that was a big part of why NASCAR's ratings dropped off was people were tired of seeing Jimmy Johnson win all the time. Um to be honest with you. But I think now there is a certain faction of folks that want to see one more, want to see that again. Um, and whenever that, if that, whenever, if that day comes, uh, if he's able to get back in victory lane this year, I think it will be received with warm applause and approval and be a very popular thing. And, and, you know, much like Jeff Gordon at Martinsville, just because you never know when it's the last one at this point, uh, even if he wins multiple times this year, each is going to be treated like uh, it's the last and give him, uh, uh, you know, all the accolades and recognition uh, for for if it gets into victory lane that he deserves for really just a look back on his career. It's definitely going to feel like Jeff Gordon. It's also going to feel like Dylan Hart Jr.'s final year and just all the the just stuff that's happened in that final year, all of the uh, thank yous and the tributes and the gifts that he's going to get. I mean, in a couple weeks, Auto Club, his hometown, his home racetrack in El Cajon, the closest one to him on the NASCAR circuit, Auto Club, that's going to be insane. Uh, his hometown fans, he, uh, he was asked in the uh, media day availability, uh, a couple months back at Hendrick Motorsports, what two races are you going to be um, most um, interested in uh, per, for you personally? He says Daytona, obviously, and then his hometown race at Auto Club. I mean, that's where he, he used to watch all the races when he was a kid and everything, so he's definitely going to miss those two probably the most. Um, but it's going to be... Obviously, the final race in Phoenix is going to be emotional for him. We're going to see all the celebs. We're going to see Jeff Gordon. We're going to see Junior, Mr. H, his entire family. It's going to be. It's. I. I will more than likely. It's going to be just like Dale and Art Junior at Homestead. Everybody drinking a beer with him after the end of the race. It's going to be something like that, in my opinion. Well, and and uh, he indicated that the this retirement that he's doing it's not a retirement from racing it's retiring from full-time racing he's indicated that he wants to run in the irl some next year 
in uh, 2021, which uh, would be fascinating. We saw Kirk Bush never hop in an IRL car before and, you know, finished in the top six in the Indy 500. I, I, knowing his background and such, Jimmy Johnson is the type of guy and, you know, he's won, uh, you know, everything in NASCAR. He's, he's done the Rolex and some of these other things. I think that you put Jimmy in some of these other cars uh, because of how talented he is, he's still going to have some success elsewhere. If, if we're seeing Jimmy in the Indy 500 or, you know, and you know, some Grand Prix or something, you know, if he's doing other things, you know, he's, he's indicating he wants to do the 24 hours of the boss and some of these other things, um, there's a good chance that he possibly gets back into victory lane, that he has some success in these uh, other series, that uh, he's that talented. He's not just a NASCAR talent. I mean, we're talking about just an, an incredible driver. I mean, this, this guy was the only NASCAR driver ever to win the – AP athlete of the year because he he can be versatile. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him run the Indy 500. He said multiple times that he doesn't want to run an oval Indy car race, but he does want to run a road course Indy car race. He was at the Circuit of the Americans for Media Day for the Indy car series on Wednesday at, at Circuit of the Americans in Texas. Spoke with his friend Scott Dixon, former Indy car driver Dario Franchitti, and I would not be surprised to see him run maybe like the Indy Grand Prix road course. Maybe we could see him run Long Beach uh, or Circuit of the Americans. He says there's also some. Um, he also wants to run some kind of formula one race i really doubt that will happen just because of uh, all the formula one uh, difficulties they're re- basically re- they really don't have one off races for drivers of that magnitude so i doubt that will happen but i definitely will potentially could see him in an indy car whether it's long beach circuit of the americans or whatever i definitely could, would not be surprised to see him at a uh, indy car road course race in 2021 if F1 were to ever have a one-off, they, it would be for Jimmy Johnson, though, if it's ever going to happen. True. So um, I want to roll it out uh, as far as that possibility. But what a career for Jimmy Johnson. The favorites this weekend, uh, Kyle Busch, you mentioned him earlier. He's the reigning cup champion, a two-time champ now, the best driver in the sport. Um, he, won more win- he won more races this past decade than any other driver did. Um, best driver of the past decade uh, with I mean, just what he was able to accomplish. A great run for Kyle Busch. And uh, now, moving forward, he, he's right there in the prime of his career right now. And anything he gets in, he, he's just electric. And he takes average cars and gets them up front and finds ways. Uh, and you know, Adam Stevens and him after going through the crew chiefs early on in his career, just have a great chemistry established. They work so well together. Um, you know, for the rest of this season looking ahead, and, you know, he's yet to win a Daytona 500 yet either. Kyle Busch, um, this is as good a chance as any, it would seem, for him to be in victory lane Sunday and for him to uh, get back-to-back championships. If there's ever a time, it's uh, right now for Kyle and that 18 team. If there's ever a time, Jones, and yeah, I mean, it feels like he's done everything but this. He's won the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, he, he's got, yeah, you got the Brickyard. He's done everything but the Daytona 500 and if, like if, if it's not this year when is it I mean the clock is ticking for him he wants to race so he's in probably the next five to ten years so I mean he's still got time but it's just everything it seems like is going right for him at this specific time so I, I personally would consider him the front runner here on Sunday 
Yeah, he's uh, got to be the guy to watch. And, and you mentioned the the timeline. Um, this is this is not just a given that the all time greats are going to win this race at some point in their career. Dale Earnhardt waited a long time to win the Daytona 500, and when he finally broke through, every driver on every crew. Uh, you know, we're, we're just there for Dale to celebrate one of the greatest moments in the history of the sport. Um, Tony Stewart never won the Daytona 500. Um, you've seen some really bad drivers end up lucking into this race. Trevor Michael Payne. Waltrip, Trevor Payne, Derek Cope. Um, I mean, some of it's just a crapshoot, you know, just luck of the draw almost. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, even with Earnhardt, that was the only one he got. He didn't win it again. So, um, Kyle Busch, you would think that he is going to win a Daytona 500 at some point in his career. You would think that, but history tells us history tells us it's not a given. No, no, it's not. Like you said, Tony Stewart, he's the, he, that's the number one uh, guy that's, that never won. I mean, it took a long time for, for those big-name guys, like example, like the Dale Earnhardts. It took them a long, long time. So for Kyle Busch, I mean, he's getting up there in the double digits of being in the in the sport. It's just, if not now, when? Right. Uh, Rusty Wallace never did. Mark Martin never did. Mark Martin was about a half inch from winning it uh, towards the end of his career. So um, those are the ones you lose sleep over. And uh, Kyle Busch, with everything that he's accomplished, uh, this is one that you know, obviously he wants badly and he needs to submit in his legacy at this point because everything else is there. I mean, you look at it, the 200-plus win, 200 plus wins he has at the NASCAR level, um, amazing accomplishment. The, the two championships now that he's won, um, you know, championships in the Xfinity Series and trucks and all that, this is just the last thing left for Kyle Busch at, at this point in his career. And, you know, I feel like we've seen – a different Kyle Busch. Uh, I, I was talking to him one-on-one after he won the championship and, you know, seeing the emotions on his face. You know, he's a dad. He's been that for a couple of years now. We're not seeing him, you know, getting fights a whole lot. You know, he, he still has that rowdiness edge to him, but he's much more mature than he's ever been. Um, and it seems like that this is the most balanced we've seen ever of Kyle Busch and ultimately this is paying off uh, to his benefit that uh, he's got everything going for him right now mentally and emotionally it feels like it's it's week to week on what Kyle Busch we're going to see most of the times we see the the hot-headed uh uh, we're not talking about the P word anymore. That being the package for the, for the specific package that NASCAR runs, or we're gonna see, or he just doesn't, or just doesn't say anything. Or if he, right after a win, you're gonna get the jubilation. You're gonna get the happiness that you, that uh, we have seen from Kyle, as in what Jones said and Holmes said. It, it just depends on the time. It depends on what happened during the race, and even during wins, he's not happy. Look at Pocono last year. Uh, he won, and he was still not pleased just because of how bad the race was in another. I mean, that's just Kyle Busch for you. He wants, he strives for excellence one thousand percent of the time. And if you're only given nine hundred ninety nine percent, that's not that's not acceptable for him. Yeah, absolutely. His uh, teammate Denny Hamlin is the defending champion of this race, uh, and he's won two of them now. A uh, 
great run for Denny Hamlin. It's interesting that he and Kyle Busch are kind of on the opposite spectrum in that Kyle still is looking for that Daytona 500 win, and Denny's still looking for that first championship um, at this point in his career. Denny, uh, the way that he has run on restrictor plates, you know, you go back to his rookie year winning the Bud Shootout back then, uh, I don't feel like we give that 11 car enough credit for how good he is and with that Toyota horsepower being better than anybody and how well those Gibbs cars work together and you know the, the relationship between Hamlin and Chris Gavehart, um, you know those two were a new pairing last year and meshed so well together. The uh, defending champ, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with once again. I don't think we, we remember Jones, but before the 500 last year, this guy had a 52-race winless streak. Like He did not win the entire season out on in 2018. Followed and, it up with five wins. Yeah, including the Bristol night race and the Daytona 500. I personally thought th- that was his best chance to get that championship. And he obviously, the pit road call at the end of the race at Homestead did not pay out in his favor. Ended up putting too much tape on the grill. Ended up uh, having to come in again get the tape off which ended up his championship run that being said his car looks strong once again i don't know if it's as good as it was last year i think there's better cars in the field than his was but then again last year we did not think that 11 car was going to be as good as it really was on sunday yeah it's a it's a great point uh that 11 team will certainly be someone to uh, watch for this weekend one of the uh, big storylines of 2020 and will actually be joined by one of these guys coming up later on in the show is the Xfinity Big Three are all now Cup rookies. That being Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, who you'll hear in just a bit, as well as uh, Cole Custer. Uh, those three have moved up to the Cup level. And uh, with that being said, we saw the 95 with Benedetto last year lead the most laps and run really well. Um, and we, we know that, you know, RCR not too long ago won the 500 with Ty Dillon. And, uh, you know, Custer, we'll see what Hoss can put together. But who do you think of those rookies has the best shot to, to run up front and possibly pull off the upset? I just think with the team he's on, you got to go with Cole Custer. I mean, Stuart Haas has been rolling with Harvick, Boyer, and Amarola. I really like what we could see from Cole Custer. He was fifth in the second duel on Thursday night, so I definitely would not be not be surprised to see him run in that top 10 for most of the race on Sunday. Also, Christopher Bell in that 95 car. It's a JGR affiliate, so we could see him run fairly well. For Tyler Reddick, the RCR team just does not feel up to point in the past couple years as it has had in the past. It may be some it may be a learning curve, but he did get a top 10 at Kansas last year when he was doing a couple one-offs for RCR in the Cup Series. So all three could be up in the front, but potentially contending for top fives and maybe even stealing a win or two. Yeah. Um, if one of them were to make the playoff, that would be something that I don't think is uh, out of question, certainly a possibility uh, for this 2020 season. Uh, with that being said, who, who do you think is the most likely to crack the playoff between the three to get a win and and uh, crash the party. I want to say Reddick, but I'm going to go with Custer just because of the team he's on. Stuart Haas Racing, I feel like, is better than both of those teams. So I'm going to go with the 41 car. Okay. Um, that's a that's a good choice. Uh, I, I would – I'll say Reddick um, because, you know, he's 
race the most between those three. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think Christopher Bell probably has the brightest future of the three, but I don't know what to expect from that 95 team of being an affiliate team and still getting their stuff together uh, there. Uh, Matt Benedetto, let's talk about him. He's in the 21, led the most laps in last year's 500, um, has really turned into one of the most popular drivers in the sport now, and a fan favorite. He's made every team he's been on better. He's in the best situation he's ever been in now with that Wood Brothers car that's basically just another Penske car at this point in time. Uh, my... my bold pick for the year is he's going to win a race and he's going to make the playoff um, and, and surprise some people this season. What do you think of Matty D's chances and what, what do you think he's capable of doing with that Wood Brothers team? First off, I love Matty D. The guy's, that guy's my dude. I love that dude. And um, He took a big risk betting on himself uh, from going from the Xfinity Series. He did not know where he was going to be and he went to the 32 car in the Cup Series and then he, he left that and did not know where he was going to be and ended up in the 95 and he got moved out because of Christopher Bell's appearance coming from the Xfinity Series and then out of the blue, Paul Menard retired and the Wood Brothers needed a guy and and what do you know? Maddie D's name was available and he just moved back into the uh, Cup Series once again but this time driving for the Wood Brothers and I'll tell you this much, Mr. Jones, that 21 car was stout on Thursday night. Up in the front, he was second most of the night. Ended up finishing in that top five in the, the second duel. He will definitely be a contender on Sunday. I can promise you that. All right. If you go back and listen to the last year's show we did at Daytona, you'll understand this next question. So that's kind of a tease if you want to go back in time. So, so uh, Bri, uh, who's the favorite underdog for this race? Oh, man, the favorite underdog... Tyler, I love this story. I'm going to go. My favorite underdog is Justin (laughs) Haley, the winner from the rain-shortened race at Daytona in the summer. We saw all the uh, just the interesting commentary that everybody, oh, he didn't deserve it. He's he's doing with a terrible team. He still got the trophy at the end of the day, still has his uh, name in the history books, but he is driving for his Xfinity team in college racing. And that is a much better program. Him driving the number 16 car for college racing. He is definitely Brian Nolan's favorite underdog this week. Yeah. Um, and uh, that college racing team, I think that's one that we're going to see f- full time and cup here uh, in the near future probably that's been a good program there in the Xfinity series of what they've uh, put together with uh, that group so uh, very exciting uh, and uh, best of luck to those guys going forward uh, this weekend uh, you know with uh, with that bunch Brian Nolan here with me coming up here in just a few minutes Tyler Reddick and Adam Alexander as we are live from Daytona and uh, actually just to give you a little inside baseball uh, Brian and I are actually in the car right now, driving to the track and recording a podcast because we can multitask like that and uh, get things done. Um, so, a couple more things before we wrap up this uh, first part of the show here, uh, Brian. How's just the Daytona experience been for you? Um, I, I know that we're planning to go to the beach at some point because uh, we really want to enjoy that long walk on the beach together. And, uh, a little too far there, buddy. A little too far. Uh, you, you'll enjoy it. We'll, we'll have a great time. Um, I, I know we got that. You know, of course, Orlando's not too far down the road. Weather's been great and everything. Um, you know, what what is this? I know you've been to a lot of sporting events. What what is this compared to you? 
it's it's my favorite. I mean, I will say it once and I'll say it again. This is my by far my favorite racetrack. I've been to plenty of them uh, in in the past 365 days, and there's nothing that compares to from Daytona. Just from all the prestige, from all the tradition, and just for all the things that you can do. My favorite going to Hooters right across the street. I love Hooters. One of the great specialties that we do not have in Idaho. So I, I just they love took it. away the Hooters in Boise, right? Yes, they replaced it with a chick. Chick-fil-A. I mean, if you're going to get it replaced with something, at least it was Chick-fil-A. Uh, yeah, we got the Twin Peaks, so, I mean, you still get scenic views. But um, other than that, I, I got to go to Waffle House for the first time uh, as, as the cashier that uh, uh, waited on me says, I lost my Waffle House virginity. So, um, that, that How was did a- feel? Um, well, the waitress said she could not, she didn't feel anything, so that was a shot to, uh, that was, that was a little bit of a shot to the groin area. Um, but, you know, that's over, that's, uh, it's not alright, but whatever. Um, but it was fantastic, it was delicious. Uh, I had the, uh, the four pieces of toast with hash browns and scrambled eggs and three pieces of bacon that I switched with you for, for some sausage. Um, the meat, not the, the food, I should say. I don't want to make it sexual, but anyway. Um, it was delicious. It was so good, and, uh, I'm a fan of the Waffle House. Yeah, uh, I told them that we had to go to the Waffle House and you know going to Hooters and all that. Uh, I'm I'm getting you cultured around here. I'm just doing uh, my part. To be fair, I've already been to Hooters before, but you know that's not the point. But have you been to the Daytona Hooters before? I went there last year. I did. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I like the Daytona Hooters across the uh, street from the racetrack. Uh, all sorts of celebrities are uh, going to be showing up uh, on Sunday. We mentioned the president. That'll be a big, big deal. Uh, yeah, Big Lee. Uh, he'll give the command to fire engines, which will be awesome, uh, I'm sure. And then, uh, you know, you got people like Dave Portnoy from Barstool. The El other, Prez. El Prez, and is going to be here. Uh, uh, Debbie is her Sorry, name. Why do I want to call her Donna? Debbie Donna. It's, it's I, Debbie. I, I, who, who are you looking forward to, to seeing uh, at the race? Oh, b- besides Debbie. Love Debbie. I got to see Dave again. I got to get my picture with Dave. But, Tyler, you know me. One of the coolest things I've ever seen. Coming out of the Orlando airport on Wednesday night, I looked to my right, and I and I was like, well, he looks really familiar. I'm like, wait, what? And so I look again. I'm like, oh, my God, that is The Undertaker. I mean, I grew up watching the WWE every single Monday Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown. I mean, I grew up watching these guys and see The Undertaker live and uh, and j- just to see him, it was incredible. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing another WWE superstar in Sheamus, the Celtic Warrior. He's a Grand Marshal. I'm pumped to see him, but I, I-, I got to love Dave and, and Debbie. Yes, uh, go Prez, go. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Dave as well. Uh, you know, I, I would like to to pitch to him uh, like a NASCAR podcast because they don't have that, and and I feel like I could be their guy. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to seeing Dave and everybody. Should be a great time at uh, Daytona. Last year, um, who, who'd you meet? I met Brian Williams from MSNBC. Nice. That was cool. I met Dave Portnoy. Um, I I was next. I was face to face with JJ Watt. I didn't really meet him, but I was like face to face with him. Um, but Portnoy definitely was the guy that I was a fan of. Oh, hey JJ. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I like JJ Watt. Good guy. I Great thought guy. that he was kind of obnoxious early on in his career, but then once he gave thirty million to, to charity after Hurricane Harvey, I'm like, I can't hate this guy anymore. Um, but yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, plenty of stars will be out here. Um, should be a great time. So before we get to Adam and uh, Mr. Reddick here, let, let's give our race picks and championship picks. Um, I, I got to say, I am 
all in on the Cowboys train this season. I think that this Sunday starts a championship run for Kyle. He wins this race, and he's going to win the championship. And I think that we could be talking about just domination from Kyle of seven or eight wins and this being just the year of Kyle Bush. I'm calling it right now. I know that that's not really going out on a limb too much per se, but uh, who, who do you like for Sunday and who do you like to win uh, in, uh, in Phoenix to uh, hold that uh, Bill France Cup? Oh man, uh, I'm gonna. I, I did a radio hit in Boise, and I picked Kyle Busch. I'm gonna. I'm gonna not stick with that. However, I am gonna say he's gonna be contending. But just from what I've seen, I think it's gonna be a massive, massive upset. It looked like he's had the fastest car all weekend long. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And he's won some Daytona races, yeah. not the 500, but he's won the uh, summer, and uh, he's won. Uh, the duels before. Yes. So I'm going to go Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I'm going Kyle Busch winning back-to-back championships. I mean, there's just, I don't, I think he is the best driver in NASCAR at this time. And I just can't, I, I can't bet against him. All right. So you've heard it first. We both like Kyle to win the championship. Uh, going out on a limb there uh, with our picks of Kyle Busch. But it uh, should be a great time here in Daytona. Uh, Hooters is obviously on the menu. Uh, I want to check out Checkers. I haven't been there yet. Uh, I've heard... Uh, from a Rick Ross that checkers is pretty good. Um, so I got to check that out. But we got a whole lot more to come here on the Jones Report today. Coming up next is NASCAR driver Tyler Reddick. He is back on the Jones Report again. Also, Adam Alexander <laughs> is here as well. That's next. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with Tyler Reddick, the driver of the number eight Caterpillar Chevy in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. He is the reigning Xfinity Series champion and a rookie in the Cup Series this year. Tyler, last time we saw you was a couple months ago. You were out at KU checking out some of the uh, the cars and their student uh, mechanic shop and everything that was going on there. And and uh, you know it's been a crazy couple months for you you get we, we knew you were coming up to the cup series but you won the xfinity title too uh what's uh, the last uh, just few months been this winning that title and then transitioning to this cup team that's been uh it's been a whirlwind of the last couple months hasn't really truly felt like an off season but that's okay we had work to get done over here on the caterpillar chevy on the cup side and just really excited for my rookie year uh you know we're just getting through speed weeks spilling out what these cup cars are like in the draft, they're they're quite a quite an animal to 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 get to, to get a hold of. So, yeah, it's just a process we're going through, and um, you know, just we're going to work on our cars some more here this weekend in preparation for the 500. Has it sunk in yet uh, that that you know it's the beginning of your cup career right now? You know, with uh, a legendary team like RCR. Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, it'll probably sink in when we start to get out to the West Coast and hit some of the other racetracks. But we're in Daytona, just kind of. I get you get caught up in the moment you don't realize what's going on around you and how big of a moment it really is and you know in these days following the duel it kind of sets in a little bit before the 500 and last year in the 500 it just you know I didn't I didn't really not not that I didn't want the moment to get to me but I just was so focused on what was at hand and just going out and running a good race that uh it didn't set in until uh you know the smoke had kind of cleared at the end of the night and uh now this being, uh, you've been in the 500 before. You mentioned you were in it last year. Uh, is there anything you learned from that that uh, you can transition over here? It must be nice that, yeah, it's your rookie season, but not your rookie 500. Yeah, you know, the cars, um, the shape, uh, similar, but the horsepower, the 
amount of downforce the cars had built into them with the splitters and the spoilers were, were completely different. So it's kind of like starting from scratch again. Um, but, you know, just being used to the feel of the car without the ride height rule is kind of nice. But, you know, they just drive a lot different than an Xfinity car. And it's just it takes a little bit of time to get used to that and understand what your limitations are. What about this this path for you that, you know, you, you had a great year with JR Motorsports in the Xfinity Series a couple years ago and then make the, you know, the, the jump to RCR and, and all this. I mean, this was this is a long time coming for you. I mean, if anyone deserves to be at this level, this it's, it's you. I mean, this has been a, a while for you to get to this point, it seems. Well, you know, um, it, it just goes to show how hard this sport is. Um, you know, you gotta got to be lucky. you got to be able to... And take advantage of certain situations, um, and you just got to be in the right spot at the right time too. So, it, it take, there's a lot of variables that are go around this garage and go around, um, you know, racing to that put people in in positions to to be where they're at today. And you know, for me, it just took a little bit of time figuring the cars out, finding the right, uh, making the right, um, getting the right crew chief, getting the right chemistry, and being in the right organization that kind of stands behind the mentality that we have. So it's just a perfect fit. Um. The uh, last year in the Xfinity Series, you were part of that big three with Cole Custer and Christopher Bell, and now you guys are all rookies this year. Have you talked to those guys and what it means to jump from being the the big dogs and now coming up together? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we race against each other a lot in the in the Xfinity Series, uh, obviously. And you know, this 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 next jump was was big for all of us, and I'm really glad we got to all three do it together. But you know, we haven't. We haven't really got to the racetracks yet where we'll probably be joking around with each other and seeing how our cars are driving. We know that this is kind of a of a hard target to hit. You know, everyone kind of comes up with a different strategy, whether that's the, you know, we're, we're all different manufacturers. You know, I'm in the Chevrolet, Cole and Christopher, Ford and Toyota. So cars probably drive a little bit different in the draft and each team has a different agenda. So it's really hard to kind of compare notes. But I'd say as we get further into the year, you know, we, we don't we don't necessarily want to help each other to the extent where we're going to outrun one another but you know um i want them to run good because it's going to help me run better yeah so you guys have a great relationship it sounds between the three of you yeah i'd say so that's awesome that's great to see we're talking to tyler reddick the driver of the number eight caterpillar chevrolet in the cup series as uh, he joins us here from daytona so daytona what, what are you feeling about this track we, we've seen some great racing here over the years how comfortable are you running uh, on this uh, super speedway Oh, very comfortable. Um, it's just a matter of getting comfortable with these cup cars and how much different they drive. Uh, but this track's been really good to me. I've had a lot of fun here in the years past, ever since I've been coming down here. Um, but this is definitely the most challenging, one of the most challenging steps that I've had here yet. But it's a good challenge. I'm excited for it, and I'm just really glad to be making it with the team I have. Yeah, and uh, this new team, this uh, eight team, uh, how's it been working with these guys? Uh, they're, they're, they're actually in uh, the room right now or in your hauler actually so uh what's it been like just adapting and working with these guys yeah i've been able to take over a lot of the the same personnel that i had on the xfinity side but when you come over to the cup side you you have a couple extra more spots for people you didn't on the xfinity side so obviously you got different management upstairs too that kind of that runs the show for us um and helps along the way but for the most part we got to bring a lot of my xfinity crew over to the cup side uh, but we got some new people in the mix too, so it's just there's, there's some you know learning curve to that, getting to know those people and them getting to know you. But I'd say so far it's been going so good, uh, pretty good. We got the car through the duels, got to have a little bit of fun. I got to learn a lot, and uh, you know we're just going to try and apply those things over the next two days and put together a good package for our our cup car on Sunday. When when you look ahead to the rest of the season beyond Daytona, where, where do you see some opportunities for you to? 
perform well. What are, what are some of your favorite tracks that come to mind throughout this season? Uh, a lot of the West Coast tracks I'm really excited for. Vegas, uh, Fontana. I'm excited to see how these cars drive with the lower downforce package at Phoenix. Uh, and then we go to Atlanta and Homestead, two more tracks that are very good for me. So we got a lot of uh, great opportunities coming up right away, and we're going to have to capitalize on those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, great opportunities indeed. And uh, what would be a successful rookie year for you? What are you looking to accomplish this year? I think we got all the pieces around us to, to go out and, and, and run top five and, and run top ten. But we got to start somewhere and creep our way up from there. It's not just going to be, uh, you know, we're going to go out here and win a race right off the bat. So we're going to have to work hard at it. We're going to have to strive to not make mistakes in races. And that's just, you know, the more chemistry we, we have, the better we're going to do. And just more, more laps I can get in these cars, get a feel for them, it's going to help us along the way too. So for me personally, I, th- I think this team's capable of winning this year. Uh, if we can win, we make the playoffs. And that's going to be our goal. If we can win races, we're going to have to win races or win Rookie of the Year battle. And I think, you know, uh, we need to to strive to win a race this year or win multiple races. That's going to be our goal. So, so you think that, uh, and, and we mentioned those other two, you, you said that you're going to have to win races to win Rookie of the Year. You're, you're confident those other guys are going to show out and uh, and perform at a high level too in their first years too. I think they have the potential for sure. I mean, I think we all have the potential. We have the right pieces around us to go out and win races. It's just a matter of of, of getting it done and executing. I mean, there's a reason, you know, the guys, you know, the reason the Cup Series is top level. I mean, yeah. you got you, Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, you, you got a lot of, I could go down the list of guys that are, that are champions that have won lots and lots of races in the Cup Series. And that's what makes it really, really challenging. But that's what is exciting for, for, for me. And I can't really speak for the other two rookies, but I know they have a drive to compete. And being able to compete against these other great drivers are going to push us to become better as well. And that's what we're excited for. We want to break through and win races, and I know it's hard, but we're looking forward to that challenge. You mentioned Jimmy Johnson, his final season, and your rookie season. How cool is that for you, somebody that grew up watching him, to, to get to race one full season uh, at the same level he has, competing toe-to-toe there? It'll be pretty cool. Um, you know, Drafting, you'll be able to get to work with him a little bit throughout the race and have opportunities for the same manufacturer. So, you know, uh, more likely to work with him than, than the other, other two manufacturers out there. So... That'll be fun. Obviously, when it comes down to the end of the race, I'm going to try and win a race for myself. But, you know, it's his last Daytona 500. And, um, you know, it'd be really cool if we couldn't help him get a better better win. But we're here for ourselves. So we'll just see what happens. You never know how the cards may fall. Maybe pushing him on the last lap and going for it amongst each other. Or, you know, we might be a lap down kind of like similar to Denny Hamlin's situation and just try and help him get a win. So we, you never know how it's going to play out. But throughout the year, we'll have plenty of opportunities to race against him. And I'm looking forward to those, those battles. Who were uh, some of your guys that uh – maybe are in the cup series now or maybe retired recently that that you grew up watching that were some of your favorites uh any guys in particular that that you enjoyed watching yeah you know jimmy just ran really good clean races he made you know not that it's a bad thing it just goes to show he didn't have to have the wow factor to win but you know jimmy didn't always win the most spectacular ways that's just because he just went out and dominated the races and ran their own race but you know tony stewart jeff gordon uh, some of the dirt guys that I looked up to. I mean, recently Kyle Larson, I raced with him growing up, and I get to race against him now, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, gosh, there's, there's a lot of really good drivers. Kyle Busch is another good driver. I mean, he was younger growing up when I'd watch. Dell Sr., Dell Jr. There's there's a lot of really good drivers in their own right. You know, um, they were all different, and, you know, depending on who you were, you could look up to each and every different one, depending on where you were in life or what, what your goals were at that time. So there's a lot of really good drivers and great personalities that just, you know, fill the characters in the NASCAR Cup Series. Any of those guys you got not, any the opportunity to get close to or any advice that they gave you? Uh, you know, Jimmy 
gave me a lot of advice going into the first uh, Roval race a couple years ago. Um, and he's he's just a great guy. If you ever need anything, you can more, more, li- more likely than not reach out to him, and he'll help you the best that he can. A lot of these drivers, I feel like you just got to, you know, make the effort to approach them, and, and they'll talk to you. They seem human. Uh, you know, a lot, of driver, a lot of young drivers and fans just see this, you know, they, they idolize these guys, and, you know, it's it's easy to forget the human beings, too. They came from... They came from the same humble beginnings you did, most likely, and had to work their way up. So, you know, they're just great guys. They race hard, and that's what I love about them. And so we can flip the flip the switch and be be humans off the racetrack. And then when it's time to go, you know, we turn into what we are, and we go out and have a lot of fun racing. So your teammates, Austin Dillon. We know that you guys work with uh, Ty Dillon and that Jermaine crew. Does that make you the honorary third Dillon? <laughs> I don't know, um, but you know, it's it's nice having all these all these cars under the RCR ECR umbrella, if you will. You know, we got. As you mentioned, Jermaine Racing, we got um, Petty Enterprises with Bubba Wallace driving the car over there, and then um, we got Justin Haley in the Colleg car, the Colleg's first stuff, first start in the Cup Series, and then you know we got Ross Chastain, he's over in the Chip Ganassi car, but you know he's running for Colleg Racing too, so he's kind of maybe in between teammate uh, we might work with too. So we got a lot of good cars, and then on top of that, just a lot of great Chevys out there that we'll be able to work with on Sunday, and uh, you know we'll see how that goes, but. Uh, it's nice to know we have so many cars out there that you can work with that are most likely going to work with you. So even with you guys being a car, two-car team, this is really a much bigger opera, uh, operation than you guys have and more guys to possibly work with on Sunday and later in the season. Yeah, we got – I mean, there's a lot of cars on campus. I mean, in, to, in total, I guess normally we have, I would say, four or so. So, you know, I mean – even though we're two cars on the RCR yep. banner, uh, you know, we have other people we work with, debrief with, and go through stuff. And here in Speed Week's a little bit different. You kind of stick to your own plan. You don't really have to debrief after every practice because everyone's kind of on their own agenda, so it's you know, no need to catch up. But when we get into the the regular or the, the what the the normal is, aside away from the super speedways, we're handling matters from lap one. You know, we, we normally debrief and share a lot of information back and forth after practices. What's uh, what's Austin like to work with? Uh, you know, first full time year. I know it's it's early, but uh, how's it been working with that three team? It's great. You know, as crew chief Justin Alexander, I, I worked with when I ran my Cup race over here at Daytona and at Kansas, and he's 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 really great to get along with. And Austin's uh, a lot of fun, great personality. Uh, he is who he is, and he owns it. And um, you know, he keeps it lighthearted, but he's very serious about what he does. And uh, you know. He's been very open to me about it, and I'm I'm open the same way, way back. And it's, our goal is to to push each other further than we would be individually as drivers. So that's going to be our goal is to just kind of push each other along the way. What's this week been like for you? Have, has it been all business, or did you get to any off time to maybe go to the beach or something? What what, what have you done this week? Uh, my off time is spent changing diapers and trying to get sleep in when I can with the little one. So it's just been a, it's been a handful. Oh man! So one minute you're racing, one minute you're you're dealing with, with the family. Uh, that how's it? I bet they're excited for for all this for you. To, uh, this whole experience. How, how's mom and dad and and all the family doing right now? Pretty good. Uh, you know, last night wasn't a great night, but you'll have those you'll have those you'll have those moments um, with with a baby and parenting. You're not always going to have smooth sailing. So uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy experience, and uh, wouldn't change any wouldn't change it for anything. But uh, you know. It, 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 
what what often doesn't ever get talked about is everyone talks about the good times and everyone tries to forget about the rough nights, but, but it's all worth it. That's awesome. A couple more things, and then we'll let you run here. Um, we mentioned what would be a successful season for you. What about just Daytona in itself? What are you, what are you, what are you looking to accomplish? Obviously, you want to win, but what would make you feel good uh, come Sunday and come out of here and just just feel good about the, where you guys finished? Leave with no regrets. Uh, you know, I had some regrets in the duel last night. You know, we we didn't want to wreck our car by any means, to try and win. But, uh, you know, I made some decisions early I wasn't necessarily prepared to make at the time. And, uh, you know, in, in the 500, there's a lot of time to, to get adjusted to what your car's driving like, and it's going to change over the course of the race. But, you know, aside from any stat or finishing position, just above all else, if I just leave here with no regrets, did everything I knew I could have, I tried everything I could have, and if we still fall short, then that's okay. But I don't want to walk away from here being like, why didn't I? make this move why didn't i make this push why didn't make that block so as long as i don't do that i'll walk away happy um but more likely than not you know pretty much everybody that that doesn't win this race walks away a little little upset but that's what makes this race so great well tyler we appreciate the time you you joining us down here in daytona it was great to see you in in kansas uh, last year and we'll see you coming up in may and uh look forward to that and uh, best of luck in daytona and the rest of the season we'll be rooting you on thank you very much appreciate it Tyler Jones here at Daytona, and we are joined by, in the infield, actually right in front of the Race Hub advertisement, is none other than the co-host of NASCAR Race Hub, Adam Alexander, who joins us right now. Double A, uh, we're right in the, the midst of this. Uh, I'm looking at you in two directions. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad we're on radio and not on TV because that's embarrassing. You know that? It's, uh, it's good, though. It's good they're promoting Race Hub, and hopefully it'll be another great year. Indeed, the uh, 20th season of NASCAR on Fox this year. Uh, very exciting times, and as uh, just a couple of minutes ago, you guys finished up a, a press conference for the Xfinity Series. Some great things coming up there, too. You know, when they sent me an email probably, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, and it was tentative at that time, and it suggested who was going to be in the in the various races, I, I mean, I almost thought that, that it was a little bit of a, a joke because I, I never dreamed that we would be able to get Tony Stewart. I mean, I know that's been a part of the conversation for a few years now, but for Tony to agree to do that and to get him to come be a part of it is, is very exciting, and that'll be a neat experience, I think, for all of us on the broadcast side, but I, I think in particular for the viewers at home. And, and then certainly Bristol, to have Kurt and, and Kyle Busch working together in the broadcast booth at Bristol, where they both have enjoyed so much success will really really be neat uh, again not not just for us um, and and I think in this particular situation for the viewers at home and for the competitors on track who get to go back and, and watch the race and hear the comments from from two of the best that's fantastic uh, how many years is this for you come to Daytona now I've been coming to Daytona. The first time I ever came down here and covered the 500 was for MRN Radio in 2002. I started with MRN end of 2000. So the the first time I was really active and and working full-time in NASCAR uh, broadcasting was 01, but I did not come to the 500 that year. So 2002 was the first time I came down to Speed Weeks and actually worked the 500. I still can't get over just how amazing this complex is uh you know i mean you go outside the track inside um and you you feel like you're at you know a big football game but then you also get that racing feel too the atmosphere at this place is so unique well it's interesting and 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 i told someone earlier you know covering the sport for 20 years you it doesn't feel like it's been that long and you kind of lose track of all the changes you've seen and the experiences that you've had 
I, I would say this, and and you know, being from from Kansas where you are, and 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 that track opened up in '01, so I, I really saw that from day one. Fans are spoiled these days. We didn't always have the amenities and the fan zones and and all the places to go and eat on the infield and and the experiences on the midway. NASCAR has gone through a tremendous amount of growth. I'm sitting here looking up at the grandstand. It's a true stadium here at Daytona. They did this Daytona Rising project four or five years ago, and and we're seeing this at more venues now. Phoenix has gone through this process. Richmond has. Talladega has changed the way they do things. All of these racetracks have gotten on board, and the fan experience now is as good as it's ever been. Just incredible. The uh, biggest headline I imagine this weekend is Jimmy Johnson's last 500, his uh, final season. Uh, what's kind of your thoughts on the end of the era of, of seven-time? Well, there's no doubt he's one of the greatest all-time, and, and I think, you know, you could argue he is the greatest all-time, and depending on what happens this year, uh, there may be little argument. I mean, if he goes out on top and were to have an unbelievable season in his final full-time campaign and, and win the championship and, and get his eighth, I think it would be pretty hard to ignore um, him as, as the top contender for, for the number one position when you look at the greats in the history of this sport. Um, but I, I do think it's a storyline that we'll cover you know, week in and week out. And, and I think another layer to this, and he talked to us about this at Media Day, the fact that he's in the midst of a, of a fairly long winless streak uh, coming up on three years. He did not make the playoffs last year for the first time. And so I, I think you've got two different angles at, at which to come at this story with. One, the competition side. And inevitably, when you have a seven-time champion that is not won in a while, you wonder when that's going to happen. And then the obvious story of this is his last go-around and, and how does he handle that and go through the paces. And, and I hope. I hope he has a great year. Uh, I hope he wins a race or two and puts himself in the playoffs. I mean, ultimately, you'd love to see him, uh, you know, go out and walk off fashion and, and write that storybook ending. That that will be very challenging under any circumstance. Um, but uh, but it will be a very entertaining year to watch him go through it for the final time. It seems like that. You know, if we were talking about any other driver in that circumstance of that long drought, missing the playoffs, it would be hard to imagine them as a serious threat. But but if anybody is going to turn around and be a championship contender after this drought, it, it would still be him. He can't be written off at all. Well, and, and I think if you go back and you look, and, I, and I've not studied the, studied the numbers really closely, but... Jeff Gordon had some years late in his career where he didn't win on a regular basis. He went into 2015, much like Jimmy Johnson, being celebrated, knowing this was it. This was his last year. He gets that win at Martinsville uh, in the playoffs, advances to Miami, and was a part of the championship four. You know, winning championships is more difficult now than it's ever been, not just because of the depth of competition, but because of the format. I I think if you can make it to Miami, you have to consider your season an enormous success. And if Jimmy were able to get in the playoffs, win a race or two, and advance to to what will be the season finale this year at Phoenix, I I think, you know, you would have to consider it a a great, great final campaign. Yeah, no doubt. We're talking to Adam Alexander of... FS1's NASCAR race hub in the Xfinity coverage on Fox and FS1. And Double uh, A, with looking at this season, I, I would say that Jimmy's chances of getting back in victory lane, you, you look at Daytona or 
it's about as good as any race there is. I mean, he, and he's had a lot of success here. Yeah, and, and you know, we did a funny thing on Race Hub, and, and this is, you know, probably silly to, to talk about these kinds of things, but that's how we are in, in the media, as you know. He won his first Daytona 500 in 2006. He won his second in 2013. So those are seven years apart. And here we are seven years later, and mm. he's a seven-time champion. Oh. And, you know, uh, so, so maybe it is lucky sevens for Jimmy Johnson. But I, I think we know, and we saw this in qualifying, and we've seen it in recent years and just in the history of this racetrack, he's going to have a fast car. Hendrick Motorsports always brings really competitive cars to the Speedway races. You know, the question becomes... Is he in the right place at the right time? You know, can you be there at the end? And and certainly, um, you know, he's he's got what it takes, and he he could very easily be a player here on Sunday. And and I talked to him about this at media day. The residual impact of winning this race, you end the winless streak, you're in the playoffs, you take an enormous amount of pressure off in your final season because those storylines that would exist week to week are now gone. Yeah. And 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 now you start talking about what could really exist as we get into the deeper part of the season. So certainly if if he were to walk off and win this one on Sunday afternoon, uh, it would it would certainly change a lot in, in many avenues. Coming up this weekend, of course, the president will be here. Ratings were up last year. Seems like things are starting to turn back in the right direction. There's momentum again for the sport. I got to tell you, I met with Steve Phelps, uh, last president of NASCAR, last fall, uh, I would say September, October, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I, I got the sense from him that all the changes that they had made, and a lot of it just behind-the-scenes stuff, was taking the sport back in the right direction. And their analytics suggested everything they were doing was working and it was a pretty good year in 2019 from a tv ratings perspective uh, overall attendance wasn't bad we're sold out for the daytona 500 clash numbers were up on sunday and i think the overall vibe whether you're talking about fans where you're talking about nascar executives talking about the drivers those in the media I think we're touching every corner right now, positivity. That's a rarity in any sport, and, and I, I have to agree. I really think things are going in a positive direction right now. That's uh, great to see. Um, what do you think besides Jimmy and, and uh, we mentioned the president coming and everything, what, what do you think are the biggest headlines going into this weekend? Well, I mean, you know, having an active president come to the Daytona 500, I, I don't know that that's ever happened. I'm sure someone's done that research and it's out there. President Bush in 04 was the last time. He he was active when he came, yes. and it was the 500. Yes. I, I couldn't remember if he was here for the 400 or the 500, so there you go. So it's been a long time, almost 20 years since we've had an active uh, you know, sitting president come to the Daytona 500. Um, we know what a, a polarizing personality <laughs> our, our president is, and, and I think that just helps to add a little juice to what will be yeah. a very big day. I mean, the energy in this place on Sunday is going to be unbelievable. And if this race, and, and we know that, that this kind of racing is unpredictable and you never know how it's going to unfold. But if we get one of those races here on Sunday, it could truly jumpstart what is a, an unbelievable year for the sport, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, who are the early favorites, you think? I know Gibbs just dominated last season. Can they have that? Same type of success, or do you think there's going to be a little more parity this year? I think the numbers that they put up last year, you know, you just have to believe there's going to be more parity, and for two reasons. Number one, the law of averages says Kevin Harvick's going to win more races. 
Jimmy Johnson is going to get back to victory lane. Kurt Busch and Kyle Larson are, are going to win more races. Team Penske's not going to win only one race in the final 20 events of the year. Uh, so if all of that happens, someone's going to have some victories taken away, and, and the most likely group of candidates would be Joe Gibbs Racing, who won 19 times a year ago. The, the other reason I believe that they'll go in a different direction in the win column is because Martin Truex Jr. went through such a significant change in, in losing his crew chief, Cole Pern, who stepped away from the sport, and he's now got a guy who's you know inexperienced in some ways in James Small. I, I'm not saying they're not going to have a good year. I just think it's hard to imagine them going out and repeating what they did last season and, and winning seven times. So I would say that Joe Gibbs, if I were betting the, the over-under, comparing last year to this year, I would say they will go under in their number of wins. But I, I don't think there's any doubt as you go into the year that the favorites are, are those guys over there and, and probably in particular the reigning champion, Kyle Busch. Speaking of Kyle Busch, uh, how do you like his chances of possibly – Repeating and also still looking for that first Daytona 500 victory. I would say that if I were to, to split my money up and, and divide it a couple of ways on those two bets, I would bet more money on him repeating as champion than I would winning the Daytona 500. I think he's going to be one of the best drivers here, most competitive, one of the fastest cars on Sunday. But I just think it's so hard to win this race, and everything's got to go your way. Now, having said that, winning a championship is, is not easy. But there becomes a part of winning a championship over the course of the season. You can't hide that talent, and eventually that talent overcomes any of the bad luck that you can experience. We saw it with him last year. Uh, Kyle is someone that I think can be in a more positive direction as far as number of wins this year compared to last year. So I, I think Kyle's going to have a big season. He certainly will have a chance to win the Daytona 500 on Sunday, but but I don't think there's any doubt if if you were to place favorites, he would be someone that you would put right there at the top as, as a guy that can go out and win another championship. Who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise this season? Yeah, I think that's hard because there, there are some storylines out there right now um, that would – that would lay right in front of you that, that you would say this looks like it's going to develop and maybe that wouldn't make it a surprise but William Byron is someone who hasn't won yet you know I think William will win um, and and really have a, an enormous breakout year uh, I think Matt Benedetto is someone that can turn a lot of heads uh, going over and, and driving for the Wood Brothers and, and being in that competitive uh, equipment that is an alliance with Team Penske. So those are the two guys that I probably would look at that say have the best opportunity, maybe not to surprise everybody, but go out and, and produce at a higher level than what we've seen in recent years. You saw the Xfinity Series pretty close last year. The big three with uh, Custer and Reddick and uh, Christopher Bell were so exciting. Now they're rookies in the Cup Series this year. How do you think they'll transition to uh, the Cup level this season? I think they'll do a nice job. You know, I was looking it up this morning, actually, and, and my math might be off on this, but by quick count, if you add John Hunter Nemechek to that mix, and, and he's running for Rookie of the Year as well, those four drivers – combined to win 53 races in both the Gander wow. Trucks and Xfinity Series and three championships, one in the Trucks, and obviously Tyler Reddick has won the last two titles in the Xfinity Series. Those numbers are incredible. Yeah. It's just an, it's an incredible number of races for guys that are still very, very young and, and going through that maturation process as a driver. You know, will they win? Will they make the playoffs? I think that's difficult to say, especially when you look at the teams they're with and, and how they've produced recently. Uh, but, but I think they'll be competitive, and, and we'll be talking about them deep into the season for sure. The uh, Emporia native 
uh, Kansas uh, native uh, Clint Boyer, of course, coming here, still looking for his first 500 win, and he did not win last season, although he did make the playoff. Uh, One-year contract for him, a lot to prove, it seems, for Clint Boyer in 2020. Yeah, I mean, the finances of this sport have become such a big thing, and, you know, Clint knows that and is aware of that, and, uh, you know, I think there were a lot of question marks about where would he be in 2020, late in 2019. I'm glad it all worked out. Uh, I don't know what Clint's plans are. I think when you reach this stage of of life and understanding, you know, how difficult it is to chase this, and he's got children, um, I don't know what other interests he has, but I, I think Clint's a guy that has tremendous perspective and and not on racing but on life and and i think clint knows where he came from he realizes that he's won and in this game and i'm not talking about checkered flags i'm just talking about the overall process that he's gone through and the opportunities that he's had and 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 the things that he's been able to accomplish so if this were to be it and this one-year contract were be to be his last, I think he's someone that would walk away in a very good place and feel um, solid about all of his accomplishments and what he's been able to put on the board. Well, and to think that he's been pretty much successful with every team he's been is uh, quite an accomplishment in itself, too. So uh, best of luck to Clint this season, and maybe we'll see him in Victor Lane. He ran very well last year in this, uh, this same race. Um, you, we mentioned you'll call those Xfinity races with the big three gone. Who's the next generation? Who do you think is going to step up and uh, to watch for in that series? It's hard for me to imagine that Justin Allgaier won't be someone we talk about on a regular basis. He made it to the championship for last year with the big three. Uh, he is, is someone who just hangs around every year. I mean, really, since he's been back with Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series after that stint at the cup level, I mean, he's he's been good, been reliable, been someone you expect to, to have success and be at the front. So I would, I would say that Justin, you know, going in probably would be be my championship favorite uh, i think you have to look at it two young drivers in the ford camp chase briscoe austin sendrick uh, both won races last year um and with the graduation of the big three I, I think our guys will be talking about on a regular basis ross chastain is is someone that going full time with with colleague uh, i think they've got some real opportunities of course he won here in daytona last july his teammate justin haley has got a lot of talent appears ready to win he has not won in an Xfinity car yet, and, and Noah Gregson is someone else I would put on that short list that finished 2019 very strong and, and I think will be a, a player throughout the year. What about the uh, truck series there? Uh, Matt Crafton coming in as the reigning champ, and that was uh, an exciting season all the way through last year. And the trucks, uh, you could argue, have been maybe the best product of the uh, the three series the last couple of years. Well, the racing's always good there, and, and I've always been a, a big fan. And, and uh, I know they'll put on a good show this weekend and, and as we go throughout 2020. Matt Crafton you know, wins the championship last year without winning a race. Uh, pretty amazing. I think they lost one of their great stories from last year. I mentioned Ross Chastain now in the Xfinity Series. Austin Hill won the race at Daytona last year. He's going to run some Xfinity events. I think he'll be really good in the trucks and and certainly Brett Moffat. I mean, he won the championship in 2018. He was right there a, a year ago. I think when you look at the landscape uh, and, and where he is another year with that team, I, I think Brett Moffat's someone that will have a real chance to go out and win his second championship. I know we have a couple months still till the Kansas race, but with knowing that big schedule changes are on the horizon, um, I'm sure folks are, are curious and want to know, what do you think the chances are of Kansas getting to keep both races in the future in that prospect going forward? 
That's a that's a hard one to predict. I mean, I think the one thing they've got going for them, the facility is great. That they've had you know pretty good fan support. Uh, they're in a great metropolitan area that I think opens the door um, to do more than just go there for a NASCAR race, and and I think that really helps. Uh, I do think though that that when this schedule comes out, and I, and I don't know anything, I'm not talking because anyone's told me or given me any hints as to what it's going to look like, but I do believe we're going to see some drastic changes. And, and obviously when you add new venues, some are going to be subtracted and you probably have to look at those tracks that have two dates as candidates to maybe lose or, or need to double up and do a doubleheader weekend. So I have no idea what the future is for Kansas and how many dates they will get, but I will say when this schedule comes out later this year, I anticipate there will be a lot of change. Well, even this schedule with keeping the same exact tracks as last year is still a dramatic change over just in itself compared to the last several years. Oh, yeah, it is. And, and I think, you know, that's something I talked to Steve Phelps about when we met late last year. And, and we've had some conversations since that time uh, about the future. And, and I think they're aware you, you have to be willing to continue to grow um, and make changes. And, and for a long time, the schedule was the schedule. And, and they made what changes they could this year with the existing contracts that were in place, both with the tracks themselves and you know, the TV partners and all those people that have to help make those decisions. Some contracts will expire that open the door for big change in 2021, and I think that's exactly what we're going to get. So uh, last thing before we let you run here, uh, the championship. Who, who's your, your pick? Have you decided who you think is going to win this whole thing? If, if I had to pick, I would say Kyle Busch. I think the betting favorite right now in Vegas, I saw it the other day, was Kevin Harvick. Uh, but, I, you know, Kyle is, is, um, is a great race car driver. He's in the prime of his career, and he's driving for a race team that is, is in good a place as they've ever been. And so, you know, the cars didn't change much, and he won, you know, five times last year, including that championship race. I just think it's, it's hard to imagine that, that Kyle's uh, not the guy, and I, and I would make him the favorite as we head into the Daytona 500. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the betting favorite because it seems like that, based on the announcements we've heard with Penn Gaming, gambling and NASCAR is going to be uh, something, uh, one of the, something that's going to be uh, going forward between the two. It seems like a, just a natural fit, those two working together and, and teaming up gambling and NASCAR together. If you got money on it, you're interested in what the outcome is. And, and so I think it's another avenue to, to grow the sport, and I think NASCAR realizes that, and, and certainly that's why we've seen partnerships like this form. Do you have a favor for Sunday? I would say Denny Hamlin. I just think that um, you know when you look at the speed of his race car and qualifying trim, uh, how good he was, even though he, you know, he, he didn't have the result he would have liked and the car got beat up in the clash, I, I, I really think you know, he won this race last year. He's won two of the last four. He's really good at it. I, I would make him the favorite. Well, Adam, appreciate the time. As always, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk in down the line. Good times. Thank you, Tyler. Big thanks to Tyler Rennick and Adam Alexander for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Brian Nolan back here with you now. We have made our way to the uh, media center, and uh, I think we can say this, to Brian, that uh, we survived the Ford Fiesta. See, see. Yes, we did. And um, we also had lunch and fantastic food. So thank you, Daytona, for that. See? Yeah, the, uh, a cheeseburger, but for you, you don't like cheese. So it was just a burger. See, see, yes. I'm not a big fan of the cheese, but uh, that's okay um, because hamburgers are the best anyway. So, you know. Now, you cut your burgers in half like your mom is still, like, cutting 
your sandwiches and triangles. Okay, first off, let's make – first off, here we go. The reason why I do this because it's literally – it feels like two burgers in one. You have, it's not, though. But it is. It feels like it, though. E- even though it's not, it feels like it. Just eat two burgers, then. No, I don't want to get fat. Do you not have good metabolism? I do, but – I am still watching what I what I'm. I mean, I have the I have a perfect body figure right now. I am totally fine just eating one. Thank you very much. I think that's going to be a drop. You saying you have a perfect body figure? I mean, I do. Let's be honest. I mean, I look good. Very confident there from uh, Brian Nolan. Uh, a couple more things before we get out of here today. Um, first of those being, what a weekend it was for the XFL last week. I know you're not in on this XFL, but I'm all in. We talked to Diana about it last week. Um, the football was good. There was good talent there. What, what, what do you I, – I know you're against this. Like, you, you think that this league shouldn't even exist. What do you need to see from the XFL to just pique your interest? Like, just name personalities. I mean, like, who – what superstar, what star is it that will make me be like, bam, I got to tune in to see this guy? Bob Stoops was that guy. He's not playing. He's a head coach. That's You watch college basketball for coaches? No, I don't. Well, people watch college basketball for coaches. Some people do. I don't. Yeah, well, that's your loss. Because college basketball is better than the NBA. Um, more of a purist type of sport. Uh, college basketball, but that's beside the point. The XFL, great debut. I was very impressed. Uh, as a lifelong Dallas Renegades fan. They've been in for one week. It's one week. Uh, my whole life I've been waiting for the day that Renegades would show up. Um, I uh, was disappointed and they lost. They'll get Landry Jones back this week, which should be big, and they should be able to compete at a high level again once they get uh, – I say again, uh, <laughs> be able to compete at a high level with Landry Jones there. But uh, Cardell Jones last week really showed out. And, and now here's a guy pulling my little Chris Collinsworth there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And, and I didn't mean to. That happened naturally. Um, I, I will say, and, and I think even you can agree on this, that the, the good thing of this league is that it is – providing opportunity, and there are chances for guys to move on from here to the National Football League. The AAF only lasted eight weeks and had a a number of guys get NFL tryouts and make NFL rosters last year. A guy like Cardell Jones, who has only got to start 11 games in his career, um, you know, his time at Ohio State, and then he never got on the field in the NFL and eventually ended uh, you know, in San, San Diego with the Chargers, and that didn't work out, and he goes, now he's in the XFL. Just hasn't gotten those reps. So I, I hope that you can at least recognize the good in just this second chance it's giving for guys like Cardell that maybe didn't get that chance. I mean, sure, there's it's good for a second chance, but what, or should I say, are they going to upgrade their levels and head off to the NFL, or are they just going to stay there? Like, when I see people get that NFL shot after the XFL, then maybe I'll be like, okay, maybe this is working. But right now, there's nothing. I mean, for the love of God, they someone fired their defensive coordinator one game into the season. Like, come on, people. It was uh, Pepper Johnson. He deserved to be fired. The LA Wildcats were embarrassing it last week. One week. It was one a bad week. week. He had to go. That was a good decision by the Wildcats. Um, they needed to happen. Uh, that second half didn't go their way. Um, but... I'm liking what this league's doing. I think there's a lot of momentum 
uh, already built up. The other thing, too, is, is now this next part. Um, the viewership was incredible. With uh, You had 4 million viewers for that first game between the Dragons of Seattle and uh, the D.C. Defenders. And then the second game uh, had over 4 million viewers on, on Fox on Sunday uh, with um, the New York Guardians and the Tampa Bay Vipers. That was the highest-rated game of the weekend. I think if the XFL in, is going to work, um, what we've seen from these other leagues before, whether it was the AAF last year, the XFL of old, there's a, not with you, but with folks, there's a curiosity effect. And the ratings tend to be good for that opening weekend. But it's the stability that's the question beyond that. If the XFL has good ratings this week and the week after and all the way to the championship, then they might have something there. Um, that's what's ultimately going to be the test for this league. Yes, it was a good week, but the test for this league is really its, it's future. thousand percent what you said. It all depends on the upcoming ratings. What's going to happen after on Monday after the, this past weekend's games? How big of a drop are we going to see from week one to week two? Because everybody was curious. Okay. Most people were curious on how on what this uh, series is going to be, what new rules we're going to see, how is it going to uh, do the flow of the game, how fast is it going to be, what's going to be the biggest drop from week one to week two. That's the big thing, and the, how big the drop is is probably going to figure out how successful the XFL is going to be. Yeah, that's the uh, major question that's on the uh, public's minds of exactly how uh, this is going to go. Is, is that right there? Um, you know, when you look at these uh, attendance, uh, you know, it was averaging between 70, 17 and 20,000 uh, per stadium. And there was, you know, crowds that were energized that were into this. Uh, I was very impressed with the Defenders crowd in particular in a soccer stadium. Uh, I know you're a Jets fan and, and you like MetLife. You know, that's been a very good home to the Jets and the Giants both. But I, I don't see any reason why the startup XFL football team should be playing in NFL stadiums. Play at like Audi Field or Audi, whatever it is, uh, where the defenders play in a soccer stadium. Yeah, that's where you need to be. Don't be playing in these giant football stadiums right now until you really establish an identity of some sorts. I agree. I mean, the bigger the football stadium is, the worse the crowd looks because, I mean, this is not – this is not Sam Darnold or Daniel Jones' football team. No, this is some quarterback. I don't know who was playing Matt Jones. Matt well, it's my literally my point exactly. He might be the MVP of the league. Get oh, a great week one. Good God, man. The point is you should not be playing in NFL stadiums. Play in a soccer stadium where it's smaller. It's more uh, filled to the core where all the fans can get into it in one setting rather than sporadic seats all throughout the uh, stadium. Yeah, um, for sure. I think that's the path forward. The rules, I, I know you didn't watch, but did you at least see highlights of some of these new rules? I did not, no. Okay. Literally did not. So so then I'll, I'll ask you about the idea then. What do you think? We've seen that NFL overtime's awful. We think it's probably the worst in all football, right? Um, this shootout style, they haven't used it yet. Not, not, a game, not a single game went to overtime last week. But a shootout style of like, you know, two-point conversions instead of penalty kicks. Um, you think that's a bad idea, or do you think that's a good idea? I, I like, I, I like the idea of that. There's no ties and gets over quickly, but it does seem like something that m- probably is not going to be the direction of the NFL anytime soon. I'll say this, and I'll say this once 
again, probably for a long time, college football overtime. One Each team has a ball. They start at the 25-yard line. If you score, then the other team gets it. If they don't score, the other team still gets it. Boom, there you go. Both teams get a chance at scoring. If they don't, they lose. If they win, I mean, if they score, they have a chance to potentially win. I mean, it's perfect. Well, well everybody gets a chance in this new XFL overtime. You get five. It's best of five, your score, uh, on the two-point conversion. Why best of five, though? Why not just one like college football does? That's just stupid. Well, because it's just like penalty kicks with soccer and uh, with with hockey in that sense. Just, just no, <laughs> just no. Uh, I'm telling you, you got to give this league a chance. We're going to watch this weekend while we're at the race. I'm going to have it on my computer. You might. I won't. But I'm we'll going to have you watch this. You're going to check it out, and and it's going to pique your interest. Uh, the kickoff looks a lot safer. I like that. Um, now. Speaking of NASCAR, we mentioned this last week. This is how these I'm connecting these two. Um, last week we talked about how in these games they have the communication between the coaches and the players that they're picking up the audio. Everybody's acting like this, oh, my gosh, this is this earth-shattering thing. Um, yes, it is great. Don't get me wrong. NASCAR's been doing this for how long now? Over 20 years, 10 years, 15 years? I mean, it's, it's in the double digits, folks. It's not an original idea. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing it probably as long as the 2000s have started. That's probably one of the best things about this sport, about NASCAR, is the access it provides. I mean, you can literally go on to the track before the race starts. Can you go on to the football field before the Super Bowl? No, you cannot, unless you have a lot, and I mean lots of money. You might be able to in the XFL. Oh, my <laughs> God. Just, oh, I, I can't handle this right now. Oh, th- this is a lot on you. Oh, We're going to convert you by the end of the weekend. You're going to be a believer. You're going to pick out a team. It's just like when you're dating a chick that's not in the same religion. You're flirting to, conver- you're con- flirting to convert. It's just not going to work. Oh, that's a great analogy, but I didn't like the ending of that. Like, we're going to convert you on this one. That's where this is different compared to a relationship. And you know what? Drop the Jets and be a fan of a real New York football team like the Guardians. Jets won six out of their last eight games, so we're on the right path. Uh, Who's we in this? The Jets fan base as a whole is part of the team. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. We are. We are all part of Samuel's Samuel's nation. (laughs) Sam Darnold the Great. Mono nation. Damn straight. (laughs) <laughs> I'd rather have mono than the coronavirus. You can promise me that. Ooh, embrace debate. Mono or coronavirus? You cannot die from mono. <laughs> That's true. So, um, end of discussion there. Yeah. Um, now, what's more likely for you to have, and probably more, and definitely more likely in the U.S. to catch mono than coronavirus still, right now? Still. Um, I've been telling people this. I think you'll agree. Um, yes, the coronavirus is bad. But uh, you should be much more worried about the flu right now. That is a much more serious problem for people in the U.S. than the coronavirus. I haven't had the flu in like five years. I'm knocking on wood right there. So I am totally fine with it. Um, Do you get the flu shot? Never have. And I've gotten it once, and that was the last time I got the flu. See, that was the same with me. And then same thing. I was like on a five-year run of not getting the flu shot and – uh, not getting the flu, and then this year that all came to a shattering end. Unfortunately, you know I did why? get. Why? Why is that? You got the flu shot. I didn't know. I'm saying I didn't get the oh. flu shot, and my record ended. I got the flu. Take what? Do what I do. Take two showers a day. 
That's right. You do take two showers. That's one thing I learned this weekend is that you take two showers in your words to stay what fresh, fresh and clean. You got to clean all the all the all the areas, all the private parts, and all the giblets to uh, smell like Old Spice. Damn straight, you do. Okay. All right. Well, I, I respect that. Um, Big Twelve breakdown this week. Uh, here's where I'm going to bring you in on this. Um, but Baylor and KU. We, we saw the seedings over the weekend and the projected NCAA rankings. Um, show them one and two. But then the next two teams were Gonzaga and San Diego State. I've seen some of Gonzaga. I've seen a whole lot of San Diego State. How much is San Diego State like? Is this a big surprise? I think they were projected to be pretty good, weren't they? What What is going on with that team to be in this position? Everybody that I've talked to thought they were going to be good. Nobody thought they were going to be great, and nobody thought they were going to be like this. This is like the bar was set like right here, and they took it to a whole other level. Like they thought they were going to be in the leader in the clubhouse. They didn't think they were going to be undefeated. Like this is really, really impressive. Yeah, and uh, just like Dayton, right? Dayton too. Uh, Ku went to overtime with them in Maui. Uh, earlier this year, and they beat Michigan State and several other teams. So I've been impressed with that bunch. Um, and then Gonzaga doing what they do. Uh, you know, this this is a year where there's been a lot of parity in college basketball. Seven different top twenty five teams, top number one teams in the top twenty five. Baylor, of course, uh, with that number one ranking the last several weeks. And you know, the talk was that oh, there's just no great teams. Um, it's just not there. I'm looking at now, I think teams are just starting to evolve and come together. People are paying attention to San Diego State, to Gonzaga, to Baylor, and uh, in Kansas. I think there are great teams. They just aren't the teams that we thought were going to be the great teams. If, if San Diego State has, uh, if we change out their logo for Duke, I think we're talking about them completely differently, that there's a... Uh, a bias there that against a team like San Diego State or Gonzaga that uh, is a great team, but because they're not the name brand, they're not getting the recognition they deserve. You put in North Carolina instead of San Diego State, we're not having this discussion. Swap the logo, yeah. I mean, it's I mean it's plain and simple. But who would have thought it? We would be talking about Dayton, San Diego State, and and then as well as thinking North Carolina not making the tournament. Like that doesn't happen in college basketball these days. Oh yeah, and so. From from what you've seen is are is that group those West Coast teams like I think they're just as good as Kansas and Baylor you know those who would be the top two seeds and both from the Big Twelve and have had great years, um, but from what you've seen have, have you seen any reason to think that Gonzaga and San Diego State are not among the elite in college basketball? Gonzaga, no. I mean, Gonzaga is the real deal. I mean, the, Mark Few is amazing. Um, every single year he just does the best with what he's gotten. It, it works. San Diego State, I mean, yes, they're good. How good are they? I don't know. I mean, sh- we, there's decent opponents in the Mountain West. Boy State is decent. They're probably an NIT-bound tournament. Colorado State, they were terrible at the beginning. They're rebounding very nicely. They're probably an NIT or CIT or CBI tournament-bound. Uh, Nevada, Steve Alford, they're decent. They're not good, but they're decent. Utah State, they're not good, but they're decent. They're playing decent teams. I don't know how that is going to translate into the NCAA tournament, but they're, they are a good group of guys. So they are being... Tested to an extent. Yes, to an extent, correct. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's good to know because I think the country is still learning about them, wants to know what they are. Um, you know, I look at the Big 12, for example. You know, Baylor, undefeated in Big 12 play. They've been incredible this season. Only one loss, that being to Washington and wow. uh, Seattle. Weird. Yeah, of all teams they lost to. And it was by three. Early on in November, uh, yeah. 
They lose to Washington. But since then... Not a good loss. No, no. Washington's got some problems. But problems. since then... <laughs> yes. Problems! <laughs> Thank you, Rick. <laughs> uh, since then, it seems like that they... You know, Baylor's figured out their guards have come together, and they have some quality wins with Villanova, Kansas, Arizona, Butler, just to name a few. That team's for real. And, you know, Kansas had this streak of 14 straight Big 12 titles, which was an NCAA record. Very impressive run. And, and has some great talent with, you know, Doak is there and, and Dotson and company. It, it, on any other year, this Kansas team would be um, the number one overall seed and the clear front runner for the Big 12. But this Baylor team just happens to be just a little bit better. It just so happens that the best team in the country, there's one team with that's a little bit better than they are, and that's the difference right now between those two. It's it's a very odd situation for Kansas. So um, I, I'm, I'm looking at this. I think that there is, uh, with the idea of parity, Nolan, and I'd be curious if you agree on this, is there parity in college basketball and is there elite teams? People f- tend to think those two things are mutually exclusive. I think that the two can both exist in this sense. I think we're due for a tournament here in a few weeks with a lot of upsets, but when it comes down to it at the end, the cream will still rise to the top. We'll still see the Baylors, the Kansases, the San Diego States, those Gonzaga teams. It'll be the two threes and the fours that face some major upsets, but I would still expect that your elite teams are still going to be around when it matters most. I love upsets, and but here's the thing: when I want to when I watch the Final Four, I want to watch good solid teams. I don't want to watch like a ten seed or a twelve seed. I don't want to watch like a two seed Kentucky or a two seeded Duke. I don't want to watch a twelve seeded. I mean, I love them to death, but I'm not going to watch Sister Jean again and Loyola and Loyola Chicago. I mean, that, don't hate on Sister Jean. I didn't. I said I love Sister Jean. I'm okay. hating on her team. Sister Jean's my homie. She's my homie G. Um, but with that being said, I still think that we're going to have some upsets. But it's when it's all said and done, we're going to have the are they, is it going to be the four best teams? Probably not. Is it going to be the two of the four best teams? Probably. Okay. So we're, we're on the same page, that there's still going to be that elite group is going to find a way to be represented um, but still have some upsets of some sorts. Um, before we get out of here, time for our, our – we, we normally do a Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom's not here. You're here instead. Now, here's what I figured. Um, you know, you, you're, you're big – either – this is all up to you. We, we can either go with uh, something that you think is, is crazy or we can talk about one of your entertainment stories of all those magazines you read all the time, too. Entertainment stories. All right. What, what you pick, what are we going to go with? What, what's, uh, what, what do the people need to know that's just piqued your interest this week? It's all about ever since he won the Oscar with Brad Pitt. Is him and Jen going to get back together? And I say I love this idea. The happiness that I've seen from Brad Pitt with Jennifer Aniston just makes my heart smile. I love the embrace, the, the happiness, the genuine love for each other that they have. They just say they're friends right now. I was friends with my girlfriend for eight months before I decided to put a label on it. Come on, people. Just put a label on it. Make the power couple again in Hollywood. Let's freaking do this thing. So... In, in case, for whatever reason, if you've been living on a rock, give people the background story. They were together for a long time. They ended up marrying different people, 
and they saw each other. Was it People's Choice Awards a couple weeks ago? So, and so what happened there? They got married, and then he went to uh, went to shoot Mr. and Mrs. Smith in 2003 with Angelina Jolie. Had rumored to have an affair. They ended up getting a divorce. He married Angelina Jolie. Seven kids later, they got a divorce in 2014, and then they met each other at the. I want to say it was at, it was at the Golden Globes. And what and what happened to Jen in that oh, time? Jen, so Jen got married to Justin Thoreau in 2014. And but, who's that? Uh, some uh, producer, some I truly do not know. Some okay. Canadian dude, um, not not the prime minister, but another Justin guy. Just want to clarify that they got divorced in 2016. So then um, they've been talking. He went to his her birthday party, the 40th, 50th birthday party, excuse me, and then they reunited at the Golden Globes. He saw uh, her uh, accept an award while he was in the back. He was glowing, and then they embraced with pictures in the back as well. So then there's all these speculations and. I, I I just think it would be it would just be a little bit of wrapping up in a circle. It'd be so good. I, I would just oh man, that just makes my heart smile. So, tell me this, and, and I'm sure you have a breakdown of this. If if this were to happen, it, it's got to start with an apology and some, you know, some. Uh, some feel good from Brad. He's got to be the one to initiate this, right? They've actually, Tyler. According to my sources that I've had, um, they've already done that. They apologized a couple years ago, ever after he got divorced, about the what had happened uh, during that movie in the movie set and everything. He apologized. He said he did some bad things. She apologized as well. So they were on good terms. They are amicable. Then last year, he invited her to her, his uh, her fiftieth birthday party. He accepted. They became friends again. They texted occasionally throughout and then they reunited in person uh with all the cameras at the golden globes and then that's how we got the photos so then uh what needs to happen next what needs to happen honestly one of them just needs to make a move flat and simple so basically brad just needs to get his balls up and get the get it going um so who do you think's more likely to uh, to get this thing going, is it going to be Brad initiating, or or is Jen going to have to show interest? Where, where's the, who's more likely to make a move? I do think it'll be Jen. I truly do. Really? Yes. Because okay. I think Brad is content right now. I think he's just fine. Well, and I was reading uh, that the other day that Jen, you know, she's fifty one now. Mm. She's she's still a rocket. Um, you know, she's aged like a fine wine. Looks as good as ever. Um, but she's talking now, and, and understandably so. You know, the family and the kids thing is is still on her mind. Uh, you mentioned Brad being com- content. Um, don't take this the wrong way, folks. But for Jen, the, the clock's kind of ticking. I think it's already gone. But I mean, they, they could adopt, uh, and that would be a side in Angelina's back because uh, adopting another uh, African kid um, after what. He and after uh, what she and Brad did, be like another slap in the face. But I mean, it, I don't think she really wants him. I mean, sure she could say that, but I mean, if she really wanted it, she's had plenty of opportunities to adopt or IVF or whatever. I just don't think she really truly wants it. If uh, if they don't get back together, um, what's the next? What would be the most likely? Uh, Scenario for the two of them in other situations. I think they would remain friends. I think Jen would go for a younger guy, somewhere in the Bieber age range. Not that's what I'm feeling. Bieber himself in the age range of the Bieber, kind of like the Dylan or the Cole Sprouse age. Someone young enough to be her son. 
Yes. <laughs> I love it. I, I love mean, it. You got to do what you got to do. So you're saying that we still have a chance with Jen? Damn right we do. Oh, oh my gosh. Please, Jen. Damn right we do. That photo spread, what happened there? Oh my gosh. She's just delicious. She is just delicious. God bless her. Well, that got uh, a little, uh, little horny there um, from no from Mr. Nolan. No um, but yeah, I was very, very impressed with that uh, that spread there, um, Brad. Uh, I can't imagine he's going to stay single forever. What would? Do you have some besides Jen? Do you have any other options in mind for Brad? According to my sources, there was he was went to an art gallery with a thirty year old actress. Um, the name um, mistakes me from my brain right now, but rumored to be around there. Um, also, a couple rumors Charlie Theron, um, but that kind of fizzled out. Also, some mystery blondes that he's been out with on some dinner dates. I cannot confirm those uh, names, but. I would not be surprised to see him shack up with a uh, fine shack lady. Up. <laughs> I mean, she, he's not going to have some sexy time, but he's just going to shack up with a with a fine lady. Potentially, we could see it on the red carpet soon. All right, um, I, I'm going to give a prediction for Brad. I got I got a name. What about uh, Margaret Robbie? I like that idea, Tyler. I like her a lot. She was great in Suicide Squad. Haven't seen the new movie yet, but fantastic in Suicide Squad. She was Squad. great in a Bombshell. I Ooh. watched that recently. I have not seen that. It looks fantastic. I have not seen that. I did see the new Hustlers movie with Jennifer Lopez as a stripper. Ooh. Oh, great halftime show. Oh. I pretty. would argue that was the best Super Bowl halftime show ever. My mom and my girlfriend were not didn't hate it but didn't like it. I may have been hypnotized by it. It was that good. Incredible. Um, during the rain delay, uh, since we're speaking of you, just entertainment news on this topic as we're wrapping up, uh, I was able to finish When Harry Met Sally. I had never seen it before. Started watching it on the plane. Um, oh, my gosh. Meg Ryan, also a rocket in that movie. She gets better as the movie progresses. Um, shows a little more personality. Billy Crystal's hilarious. He plays the role well. Fantastic movie. I can't believe I'd never seen it before. I've never seen it before. You haven't? No, my mom has, but I haven't. What, what do you think of Meg Ryan? I mean, not, not I, I liked her in a Sleepless in Seattle. Very good movie. Fantastic movie. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's a movie that you want to laugh and cry and just the whole night. I yards. did laugh, and I definitely did cry during that movie. I, may, I, I have no shame in that. I oh. cry almost weekly on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my gosh. On that note, we got to get out of here today. Uh, big thanks to Tyler Reddick. Uh, you're, you're like Tyler Reddick. I, I do. I do. He's, he's a good dude. A little short, but still a good dude. Yeah, about your height. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so that makes you a little short, too. Uh, Adam Alexander, also a great guy. Not short, though, but fantastic guy. Need some hair on the head, but it's okay. Hey now, hey now. Let's, let's be easy on Adam. I uh, do love Double A. That's my dude. He's a great guy, even better broadcaster. I loved that we did the interview in front of his billboard. True. I even loved it that he recognized me and still remembered me. That was good, too. Yes, it was a great time. Um, Brian, uh, where, where can people find you on the interwebs? The interwebs at the Brian Nolan. Also check out frontstretch.com. Great website. Got over nine people credentialed for this race. We got your done, and we will get you every single scoop that we have at frontstretch.com. Facebook.com slash Nolan dot 18. 18, Kyle Bush. It was just a random number that they assigned me, so I'm like, that's screw it. Nice, nice. Uh, that's that's great. And uh, is it the Brian Nolan for the gram, too? It definitely is, soldier. 
You, you forgot you left. You're not B Dale nine seven seven anymore. Yeah, that that went away retired. as well as NASCAR and WWE went away on the Twitter as well. Oh yes, yes. Those uh, were the days. As always, uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at TJ Media Group. Instagram at Tyler Jones Live and Jones underscore report. You can find us there. Big thanks to uh, Tyler Reddick, Adam Alexander, Brian Nolan for joining us. Uh, come hang out with us more. We, we need you on more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you let us know. Okay. If you need any WWE talk as well. Uh, what's the next WWE event? It will be WWE Super Showdown from Saudi Arabia. Two weeks from today. No. Yes. No. Two weeks from yesterday. Thursday. So two weeks from this past Thursday. Isn't there a bit of controversy in them going to Saudi Arabia? There was last time they went, but it was all good now. So they're fine. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Um, and uh, Tom is not here today, uh, but we'll hear from him next week. And uh, we will be back in uh, Lawrence next week. Great time in Daytona. And uh, just getting started. Appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next week on the Jones Report. So long, everybody.